You're listening to Ding Dong Merrily on High, arranged by Chester Alwis off the recording Welcome Christmas, Carols and Lullabies from Around the World, performed by the Vocalescence Ensemble Singers back in 2010, under the direction of Philip Brunel, music director. This episode of Renaissance Man is focused on the holidays, specifically the logistics and work that goes on behind the scenes by a music director to make Christmas and holiday performances what they are. Philip Brunel's been programming and directing all kinds of holiday music for decades at Plymouth Congregational Church in Minneapolis, with vocal lessons, and in various other settings, including conducting ballet performances of The Nutcracker. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Please share this podcast with your friends, and if you have a moment, we'd really appreciate a quick rating on iTunes. And now, a holiday-themed episode of Renaissance Man. Hello, you're listening to Renaissance Man, a podcast featuring my father, Philip Brunel, as he talks about the world of music. So we're, we're talking about the business of Christmas. You are a church organist, a church choir master, you're running an organization that produces holiday-themed concerts, you're doing one-off events related to the holidays, you're conducting the Nutcracker. So a lot of fingers and a lot of pies, a lot of holiday pies. We're recording in Philip's office here at uh, Plymouth Church. He's you're just sending an email off to the team? Yes, done. I've done that. It's gone. So I'm set. You're set? Yeah. Have you done all your Christmas shopping? Excuse me? <laughs> no. When Please. Did, when, when I have done some of it. Oh, no, some of it is done. All right. Yeah. But, not, but not all of it. Yeah. yeah. When do you typically do your Christmas shopping? I do it bit by bit throughout the year. When something dawns on me that would be a good choice for someone, uh, I uh, I buy it. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if there was something that I thought was fitting for, say, Tim Brunel, I buy it and already have. Oh, okay. So these things kind of sit in a closet at home. They do indeed. They uh, do indeed. I look forward mm-hmm. to Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Um we were just talking about this earlier when I came in. Um, you said you were uh, you just completed gig seven of ten, seven of ten Christmas gigs outside of outside of Vocal Essence and Plymouth Church. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. What are these other gigs that you're doing outside of Vocal Essence and Christ- well, and Plymouth Church? Well, they involve Vocal Essence in a way, but some of them are private parties mm-hmm. uh, where I can. Uh, talk about Christmas music and its origins and have them enjoy some singing with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them involve some of the vocal essence singers and coming with me to uh, some kind of Christmas celebration. But, you know, it's um, 
when I say it's in addition, I mean it's in addition to the concerts mm-hmm. of Vocal Essence, the the Welcome Christmas concerts and the Star of Wonder concerts that we have. Uh, these are things in addition to that. And then, of course, also, then I start the Nutcracker performances next week. So Right. And that's not included in that. So you're pretty much booked solid with rehearsals and performances every day in December. This would be true. And in fact, every day, not almost. So I don't have any evenings that are free um, now until I think the 28th Mm -hmm. of December. Mm -hmm. Keep busy. Is, is Is 2016 different than other years? No, just a little bit busier, mm. a little bit. They seems, it seems every year that a few more creep into the mix. Mm-hmm. So in a, in a busy month like December, what's the secret to, to keeping, keeping going? Uh, I would say just two things. Stay healthy, which I am, and be organized. You can't do this if you don't have organization as part of the mix. I'm looking at your desk and it's a disaster. It is not a disaster. It's I know cl- it's in each pile. It's cluttered. It is cluttered, but things are where they belong in which pile, and I know which ones I can pick up and move forward. Okay, so you're keeping organized. That's good. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, is that something that you were that you did when you were young when you were in your 20s or did you was it something you sort of realized i need to do this i have done it as long as i can remember it probably goes back to the fact that being um taking piano lessons taking organ lessons all of that needed practice time so you had to kind of figure out in your day how you were going to get that done so i think it's something that as far back as i can remember i've always been an organized person. Hmm. All right. Um, do you recall what was the first time you performed for a holiday concert? Was this as a boy soprano or? Well, as a boy soprano back in grade school, you know, I was trotted out to sing for a number of events at all times of the year. And if it was a Christmas event, then I had to have. Uh, a few Christmas pieces that I could perform, and um, I did those. And so, you know, I mean, I've always done that. And then I, of course, have always been interested in Christmas music, and particularly, I would say, not just the music, but also the origins of the music. And I've been fortunate that I could keep this information in my head, and recall it when called upon. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just, uh, to me, I mean, Christmas is a wonderful season because it's such a rich uh, collection of music and you'll never get tired of what's out there because there's more than you could ever do in a day or in a lifetime. Okay. Um when was the first time that you were on the hook to organize or plan repertoire for a, a, a holiday concert? I would think that probably the first time would have been uh, as a church musician when I had to do the planning of music uh, back in high school at uh, Park Avenue Covenant and then 
going to Holy Trinity Lutheran and working on Christmas programs, those are probably the first ones I did. But the first, and, and those first ones, how did you know what to do? Well, you just do. I mean... You just jump in. Of course. Based on what you've seen others do. Yeah, and what you've seen and also your own intuition and your own creativity about what's out there. And you try some things. Sometimes you make mistakes because you program something that is too difficult for people to learn within a period of time. And so, you know, you may have to say, oh, maybe we'll only do part of that piece this year and we'll do part of it well. And then next year we'll do more of it. And so, you know, it kind of depends a little bit on, of course, it depends on the event and what you're trying to do. But then I really got into programming uh, when I began Vocal Essence and we started, we didn't do Christmas programs at the beginning, but when we eventually started, uh, say, 20 years later to do music for Christmas uh, things, I did have, <clears throat> I remember in the early days, I had this, in the early days, I had this notion, which is false, that people didn't want to hear just Christmas music in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrong. They do want to hear Christmas music. And, and, and exclusively only Christmas music? Well, when they come to a concert, for instance, yeah. they do. And so I uh, erroneously programmed at Orchestra Hall to do a Honegger oratorio called Joan of Arc at the Stake. And I thought, well, this is a great piece. We should do it. People came to the concert yeah. um, interested in, in its connection to Christmas of which there was none, and people at the end were uh, baffled why this this piece of music had been performed. And my favorite comment was Vern Sutton's wife, Phyllis, who afterward was heard to have said, I don't see the connection with Christmas unless it's the burning of the Yule log. <laughs> so that was it. And you know what? That's the last time I did a non-Christmas theme in December. Yeah. Well, you, you got you got exactly. You got to learn somewhere. Um, so that kind of begs the question: You've been doing this for decades. You've yep. gone through a lot of holiday programming. How do you keep it fresh? Oh, no problem. I just love. There's so much music. There's so much diversity. Each piece is unique and special. Uh, so I love the creativity. Uh, but you're I, not, so you're not repeating things. Oh, sometimes. If there's a wonderful piece, I want to bring it back. Um, a, you know, you might have a piece that is really a beautiful, beautiful piece. And it seems so perfect that you know people would love to hear it again. Uh, an example, of course, is something like John Rutter's uh, little piece, What Sweeter Music. Well, people love to hear that, and it's a wonderful piece. I try also at Plymouth Church to include something from Messiah Mm -hmm. during uh, this season or maybe during Easter, and I also try with Vocal Essence if we've had a piece of music that was especially charming. We did, for instance, a piece called The Shepherd and the King, which we premiered about 15 years ago, and I thought, 
it's a it's too wonderful to just forget about. So this year it's back on the concerts for Vocal Essence, and people are oh what a charming little carol. So things from the past get repeated, but I'm also wanting to look at what's out there that's fresh and new and include that too. So I'm thinking of, um, when did you teach at Princeton? Back in the 80s. Okay, and, and these were classes specifically... Was it Westminster Choir College in yeah. Princeton. Mm-hmm. Specifically meant for church choir directors. No, it was meant for, for choir directors, whether they were church or whether they were high school or college. It was mm-hmm. a mix. Mm-hmm. And, and if I recall... Um, you would go um, primarily with your brain, but also stacks of music. Mm-hmm. And and talk about, you, you, you taught them about programming. And right. You, you taught them, okay, what do you do when Easter comes up? What do you do? Can you talk a little bit about some of the advice you gave those folks? Well, my first advice is start early. It's the people who program at the last second who I think run into trouble Mm -hmm. because they haven't thought through the framework of how a concert works. What's the flow? Where are the high points uh, in terms of, say, the drama? 
mm-hmm. and how does that all work? So if you've thought through the program, and so I might choose, and Christmas is a tricky one because let's say a concert might have 15 short little pieces on it. Mm-hmm. So what's the order of those? You could take those 15 pieces and put them in the wrong order and it would be so boring. Not the performance, mm-hmm. but just the for the audience. Right. And so you need to really think carefully about the flow of the program. And I am always concerned about that. From the audience point of view, are they going to find this program, are they going to stay interested because of the way I have programmed it? I know it will be performed well. That's not the question. Right. So the question is, how do you do it? And so I would... In, and, and, and that programming is... Technically, you're thinking about meter. You're thinking about from this piece's harmonic set to the next piece's harmonic set. You're thinking about melodic flow. You're thinking about the lyrical quality of a specific piece. So when you're, if you've got your 15 pieces and you're thinking of the optimal order, are you? What else are you? What other factors are you thinking about? Like, a, I can't put this one last because at that point the choir will be tired. Like, how? How do you? <clears throat> 15 pieces. How do you how do you program that? Well, what, the points you mentioned are some of them, but I'm also concerned about text mm-hmm. and what texts go next to which other texts when you're doing it. Key relationships are important to me so that you're not suddenly having four pieces in B flat and wondering why the audience has listened to it and they're wonderful, but why is the audience kind of bored? Well, mm-hmm. we haven't left B-flat for a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm also thinking uh, about different instrumental forces. So if you have a variety of instruments, you know, you want to make sure that if you, let's say you have a harp and a guitar and they have some solo pieces with the choir, you don't want to put all the harp pieces together and then all the guitar pieces. I mean, all of that kind of thinking goes for me and I will make up an order and then say okay is this really the best let me look at it let me think about it. it's a little bit like a jigsaw puzzle yeah and I have to assume that you might even go into rehearsals and get it to a point where you go you know I realized that that piece following this piece is the wrong order mm, no by that time I've I've figured that out so I'm yeah. you're figuring this out before before a, any a rehearsals begin. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because also for vocal lessons, we have to turn in the program months in advance. Right. So, it, you know, of course, I could change something if I needed to and say, let's move these two around. But uh, basically, I would keep, um, I, I, I get the sense of what it is and uh, have it ready to go before the first rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And does the same hold true for a church service? So Christmas Eve... Talk about that context, um, because you're not 100% in control of the order or the flow. In fact, at Plymouth, at least, the structure of Christmas Eve is a fair amount of it's kind of structurally set. You're just filling in some of the blanks. Exactly. But, but how do you how do you keep that kind of formula? How do you keep that fresh? Well, so you've got a service that's going to start at 1045 at night, mm-hmm. and you've done a half-hour organ prelude at first. So then once the service begins, there are certain carols and hymns that are going to be sung. And around that, I am uh, asked to find four pieces of 
choral music that we can insert. So there, it's a question of, and be, this is because we're, you, we do lessons and carols. Right, right. So if you have, for instance, you're coming to one part which is about the shepherds, if you have another part that's about the wise men, uh, whatever. So you want to try to have uh, a theme, a, a text that relates to that moment in the service. You also want to be very careful. It's very easy that all the Christmas music can be slow and soft. Mm. And so, the, and it's beautiful, right. but you want to make sure that there are some things that are livelier. Mm. And so that the people who around 1130 are starting to doze a little bit yeah. and you want to bring them right. back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <clears throat> That's so true. All of that, all of that kind of comes into play for me as I'm figuring out what the repertoire is going to be. Mm -hmm. So do you think it's 2016 contrast with last year and the year before? Do you think thematically per year? And do you look back and go, well, last year my theme was X, so there, therefore this year my theme needs to be Y? No. No. I don't do that, but what I do as far as the Christmas Eve services... I do uh, look at, there might be a piece that I did say three or four years ago, and I go, oh, it would be great to bring that one back again. So if I'm going to bring back that piece, for instance, this year, Bob Chilcott's mm -hmm. Shepherd's Carol, I know I'm going to do that one again. Okay, I know that it is gorgeous, and it's soft, and it's slow. So that would fit one moment of my four. Mm -hmm. So what else do I need to do that's going to keep uh, the interest. I also don't want all of the pieces to have been composed in the last 10 years. Right. It's nice to have something that's a little earlier to show that background. Some years uh, there will be a composer's anniversary, mm. and I want to acknowledge that by bringing a piece of music in. So it can, it can vary a great deal. thinking about programming and I'm thinking about some of the differences. So programming for Plymouth and for a church, how does that differ from the programming that you do for a holiday, for a welcome Christmas concert for vocal lessons? Well, there's some big differences. At Plymouth, with a few exceptions, it's going to be music that is a cappella or with organ, mm -hmm. period. At vocal essence, it could be like this year, the instrumentation is harp, vibes, guitar, hammer dulcimer. So that's a totally different kind of thing to be looking mm -hmm. at. 
Uh, so th that's a huge, big difference there. Another one is that the vocal essence concerts can combine sacred and secular. Right. Whereas Plymouth is going to be all sacred. So you have to kind of, they are really t quite different. And I have no carryover between the, the Plymouth Church Choir and the vocal essence singers. Those are totally two different groups of people. Hmm. Um, what's, what's the most fun for you about working through this? Be, I mean, it's obvious that you enjoy a fast pace and a, and a complex, vibrant... Um, you work, your work is your pleasure. And so what do you enjoy most about the holiday season in particular from a, a music director point of view? Well, of course, I love sharing all of this music with people, whether the sharing is in rehearsal with the singers or sharing it with the congregation or the audience at a concert. And I love the way that people are delighted by what they hear and are moved and touched by, you know, perhaps one piece on the program, which they feel uh, was especially moving or meant something special to them at that particular moment. So I think just the sharing of the music with people and, of course, the challenge of doing it well is also a, a wonderful delight, but I'm I'm counting on the fact that it will be performed well. So I'm looking forward, therefore, to sharing this music with audiences um, every time we get up to perform. you you got the church you've got the vocal lessons thing why did you decide to, to take on the nutcracker performances i mean it, it's not as if you were busy enough uh, why were you going for the trifecta the holiday trifecta well tchaikovsky's orchestration is so amazing i mean this is 16 years of now conducting nutcracker it's never boring first of all 
the the orchestration is so wonderful. Every time you hear it, you just realize what a genius he was. And then the challenge of making sure that what I am doing tempo-wise works with what's happening on the stage with the dancers. And every year, the dancers are different. So mm. you can't just be on automatic pilot. You really have to be focused on them and making sure that what you are trying to do interpretively works with what the dancers are doing. So, it's, yeah, because that conducting for ballet has always fascinated me in the sense that you are kind of the fulcrum. You're the Christ. Mm-hmm. And your eyes and hands are guiding a group of instrumentalists right. to work in harmony in a way that supports people who who they can't the two groups can't see each other and you're the only one who sort of sees mm. the two of them that's a fascinating environment and um, you watch their feet that's mm. the secret those feet touching the floor that's your tempo a, has got a match where i need to be mm-hmm. and they can adjust certainly to a tempo that I have, but I also have to adjust to them when there's something that's a particularly tricky move for them and they have to be careful. If it went too fast, they'd fall on their face and I don't want that to happen. Right, that would not be good. This would not be a good idea. Yeah. There's a lot of work that you do to prepare for, and as you mentioned earlier, a lot of time spent logistically planning for and then organizing, never mind rehearsing. How do you personally stay attached to the spirit of the holidays? Well, I would say, first of all, I mean, here we are. The Welcome Christmas Concerts 2016 are in process. And the 2017 Welcome Christmas repertoire is done. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That gives me time to think about, is this going to be the right program? It can change, but I've got time to make it change. Mm. The Plymouth Church repertoire, I've done everything set 
through the month of May next year. So I can again look at that. If there's something I have to change, I have time to make the change. Mm -hmm. Have I really made a really interesting uh, pairing of music for each Sunday? Uh, but how I relate, I think because I love the music of the season, because I love the texts of the season, they mean something to me personally, spiritually. So for me, Christmas is just a joy from beginning to end. Hey, thanks for listening. We hope you appreciate the conversations about music. We've got more episodes in the works, including conversations about improvisation, running a nonprofit music enterprise, working with various vocal types, and commissioning composers and arrangers, among other topics. If there's something you want Philip to address, please send us an email to renaissancemanpodcast at gmail.com. That's renaissancemanpodcast, all one word, Renaissance Man Podcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't yet, please check out our archive of previous conversations. We've talked about opera and the business of being a church music director. Thanks so much for listening to Renaissance Man. Well, we're, we're joined by Philip's grandson, my son, Max. Max, do you have any questions for your grandfather about holiday music or uh, being a music director during the holiday season? Um, um, what is your favorite piece to use for a holiday? Hmm. Max, that's difficult for me because I love so many pieces of music that... Uh, it would be hard for me to choose one that I would want to listen to over and over and over. I would be more likely to choose about 20 pieces and say, oh, there's this one. But certainly, uh, if I had to just choose one piece, oh, that's really difficult. It might be... Uh, Jingle Bell Rock. No, it would not be Jingle Bell Rock. But it might... I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. It is not... That and it's not all I want for Christmas are my two front teeth. So I think it's more likely that I'm going to say an Englishman named Peter Warlock who wrote some charming melodies and they never are tiring to me to, to hear and to perform. Okay, well, we're going to wrap things up. We're going to unplug things here. So when is he going to be able to come and hear? Uh...